All right. Don't ask me why I'm going to tell you all this, but I'm going to tell you all of this. Um, I was sitting there with, um, actually, I'm not sure. I was sitting on the front row, actually. We were singing. And I keep telling you that, um, of course, you know I love music. And I love uh, what is now called the newer music. But I also love the hymns. And it I, amazes me. Like, we pulled out the, uh, what was the first song, Heaven Came Down and Glory Filled My Soul? And that was a modern hymn, really, not too long ago. It was in the 70s, I think, maybe late 60s. And um, I still remember all the harmony. I can sing harmony to most of the old hymns that are in the hymn book, I Love Music. And I, but I'm, I'm just enamored with the new songs and some of the verbiage, like in this song we just sang, 10,000 Reasons. What it says about God, we are just gifted with so many new writers. And so I was asking myself and going, so why, why are we hesitant? Why are we resistant sometimes to, to the new music? And then it occurred to me. I said, you know, forever, um, forever, this was our music book. And I'm, I'm helping you understand something. And it's kind of like McDonald's. Okay? So you could go to any Baptist church on any given Sunday. Okay? And they would sing out of a book like this, if not this book. If you're Southern Baptist, if there may be the 56th version. It may have been the 75 version. Or, and there's one more after that. It may have been. But the bottom line was you're going to sing out of this book. And chances were very strong that whatever they sang, you knew this. You did. And you didn't know all the songs in the book, but you went to any, any Baptist church, and there's about maybe 75 hymns that every church sang. I mean, you just go wherever, and, and they, would, they would sing a song out of here. And that was, that was comfortable to us. Okay? That was very comfortable. And so, long behold, about 25 or 30 years ago, you know, we started doing, laying this down and picking it. Wait, let's finish this before I finish talking. <laughs> Are we okay? Can't, can't you? Okay, all right. Well, everybody's watching. I didn't know if it was really important. Like, hey, there's a bomb in the nursery. You know, we're all going to die or something like that. But anyway, and so about 25 years ago, we kind of laid this down, okay? And, and now she's leaving me. I didn't get started, Judy. It may have been good. You never know. Anyway, and so anyway, now take good care of them. All right, they're my buds. Well, no, the guy with the arm is my butt. But anyway, and so we started laying this down and used projectors. And all of a sudden, that opened a door to bringing in a lot of new music. Okay? Now, I am certain if you did a little research and went through this book, you would find periods of time when a lot of hymns were written. Like the era of Fanny Crosby, as an example. A lot of hymns were written. She was writing just literally dozens of songs. So there were a lot of new songs circulating now. And I bet you'd find out that people were resistant to that. Okay? So the issue now, you know, it used to be, can we be honest? Back when this started happening and we sang, God is so good, God is so good, God is so good, He's so good to me. He answers prayer. He an- no wonder. You know, you're kind of going, hello. I think love to me is a little bit better than that. All right? But now we've moved on to these wonderful, theologically sound, rich hymns. Okay? But here's the problem. Because there's such a prolifera, was I even close? Close enough. Are y'all proud of me? Uh, uh, are you proud of me? There's a lot... <laughs> There's a lot of songwriters today, and they're writing these beautiful songs. So constantly, new music is being introduced. Now, did you hear the story? <laughs> I, by the way, I just thought of this sitting on the front row. 
Okay, it's brand new. So did you hear about the church, the Baptist church, that was having, having a spelling bee? Oh, yeah, they're having a spelling bee. You know, and so they said, I spelled justification, and God just spit it out. Blah, 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 blah. Sanctification, blah, 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 blah. Glorification, blah, 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 blah. Ecclesiastes, blah, 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 blah. I mean, you know, Zechariah, blah, 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 blah. And then the, the, the caller said, change. He said, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that great? I just thought of that. I just thought that's on the front row. So, so it's hard sometimes for people to change. So in this, I just I, all of that to say this. You know, you know, in in this era of change in music, um, try to be as open as you always can be because there's some really beautiful music being written. There really is. We will never forget. At least while I'm here, we'll never forget the beautiful hymns, the rich theology, and the history and the truth of the old hymns. But also, you know, be open to the new music that's being written because it really is phenomenal. Um, men are writing, men and women are writing some wonderfully rich songs. All right? So don't know why I told you that tonight. I think probably because that song you sang, 10,000 Reasons. I'm, I'm reading those words, and, you know, I just am just going, God, this is such beautiful music. It really is. It really is. Okay, all right, that was all free. Didn't cost you a dime. Okay, very good. So anyway, so this week, um, this week, we were, I was sitting in David's office, and... Um, so we're talking, chatting, and uh, he goes, you know, you have a, you have a, a couple things you do regularly. And I said, oh, really? He said, yeah. So, and he, there's a reason. He said that. He said, you always close your prayers in the precious name of Jesus, or in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And the reason he told me that was, he, you know, he's the guy who puts up the song, the sermons, on the Internet. And so what he does is he kind of searches audially through um, the, to the sermon, searching for in Jesus' precious name. And that's how he finds the end of the sermon because that's where he cuts it off. So instead of having to listen to the whole sermon all over again, he listens for that. You know, it's just how we, I've, I just, how I close my prayers in Jesus' precious name or in the precious name of Jesus. And, and if you listen when David prays, okay, you're going to hear for our good and his glory. For our good and your glory, actually, is what he says. You know, we get in the habits and, and of doing things, and that's just how we do business. That's how we do business. Now, grace, I think, you know, there, there are several words, and one is relentless. The new tag word in, in church circles is the word relentless. You see it in, you hear it in songs. You see it on T-shirts. We talk about, matter of fact, this morning's sermon had, you know, redeemed the relentless pursuit in it. It's just a word, a tag word that we use. Well, I really, and unfortunately, by the way, when you have a word like like that, it loses its power. Um, in our family, I bet it's true in your family too, in our family, we always end our conversations with, or when we leave, we say, I love you. I mean, when Sarah calls from Korea, I love you, Dad. You know, I love you too. And then, you know, we just do that. It's something we do. But unfortunately, it kind of loses the power if we're not careful. It becomes just three little words that we tag in. We don't really, I really, I shouldn't do this, but I love to mess with people. I really do. And, um, you know, I was at Menards, and she made the mistake. I didn't make it. She made it. How are you doing tonight? I said, you really want to know? That is not what she expected. She ignored me. I said, excuse me, you asked how I was. Do you really want to know? What do you mean? I said, well, you asked me how old. Do you want to know how I'm doing? You know, and it's, I just love messing with people. I really do. And, you know, the, the words become habit, and they become rote. And I'm, I'm really wondering, and I hope not, that this wonderful word grace, because everything today, thankfully and, and gladly, is grace saturated, saturated, but I don't want grace to become so common we miss it for what it is. And hence, tonight, we're having the grace fest. 
the grace fest. Now, you know, at grace, we, we say grace before our meals. Uh, who wants to say grace? Okay. And we name our children grace. Okay. And if we're not careful, grace can become just another word. And I, again, I don't want that to happen. So tonight, I want to look at about, well, how many, we got 30 minutes, so we'll hit most of them. Some of them are, are common scriptures, some of them are not, but it just talks about what does grace do for us? Why is grace such a big deal? Okay? And the first one we're going to jump into is a very common scripture, but I'm really hoping we can kind of go back and really nail down the importance of what this verse says. Now, Abraham Lincoln said something. He's got several really cool quotes, and this is one of them about grace that I thought was very good. Let me, I'll read it to you twice to make sure you get it. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace. Too proud to pray to the God that made us. Is that not good? Anyone heard that before? Isn't that a good one? I'll read it to you again. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace. Too proud to pray to the God that made us. So let's take time tonight... And let's look at this word, grace. Grace. Hopefully through a new lens. The first one, you could probably recite some of it or most of it, is Ephesians 2, 8, and 8 through 10. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. And this is grace saved and shaped. Saved and shaped. Grace saved and shaped. Now, you remember this morning, I made a big deal about the word justified, and I gave you a very brief definition of what it meant to be justified, and it was to be, does anybody remember, recall? Declared? Thank you. Declared righteous by God. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. So we don't have to earn our righteousness. We were declared righteous by God. Well, grace is another word that really is just an amazing word. No pun intended. An amazing word that we really need to grasp hold of. Now, again, this is the, this is the salvation in, in, in Ephesians. This is the salvation verse. We include, we include this in a lot of our presentations when we're talking about salvation. And here's what it says. For by grace... Now, remember, ju- we are justified. God declares us righteous. That's kind of the tagline there. With grace... Now, and if you need to write this down in your Bible, do that. With grace, it's unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. Key word is unmerited. We don't own it. We don't deserve it. Now, I'm telling you, here's the deal. As we progress, you know, if you're in a revival meeting and, and the preacher's hitting it hard and the Holy Spirit's all over you like white on rice and, you know, you're just really just, I mean, you're feeling conviction, you're feeling the weight of guilt of your sin, the pressure of your sin, and you go to the altar and, you're, and, and you get saved, you get born again, and that happens, you sense that and you feel that, okay, um, that, that you understand probably at that point better than ever unmerited favor. Whatever's happening to you right now, right now I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. But here is an epidemic. I'm going to tell you. The longer we go to church, the less we appreciate grace. Mark it down. 
argue with me, research it, do what you want. But I'm telling you, the longer we do the Jesus journey, if we're not careful, the less we appreciate grace. It's somehow, it's somehow that we get into our brain. We would never say that we earn salvation. We would never say that because intellectually we do not believe that. We don't believe that. But if we're not careful, when we start doing all this stuff that we do, you know, when we serve in different positions in the church, and we choose church over golf, church over the lake, church over whatever, and, and, and we give our money, and, and we do all these different things, it slips into our mentality, and we would never say it, and we would deny it probably. However, we slip into this mode of somehow you know, we've earned a position. Okay? Trust me, it's a a sublineal thing. It gets into our heads, even though we would never admit to thinking that. However, you know, we need to constantly remember that it is unmerited favor. Just like, just like we could never earn righteousness, David. We could never earn righteousness. God declared us righteous. That will just light our fire. That will light our fire. And the fact that by grace, by God's unmerited favor, Non-earned, can't earn it. God's unmerited favor. By grace, you have been saved. Your name was written in the Lamb's book of life so that when we come down to that scripture in Revelation and he looks for your name, you know, he looks for your name, Deborah, he looks for your name, he's going to find it there. And because your name is written there, you will not be cast into the lake of fire forever. That's the big deal about being saved. Okay, one of the big deals about being saved. And that all happened not because you earned it. Not because God, you know, God looked down and said, you know, well, you've earned it. You're, you're good. George, you're a good one. Now we're, we're going to let you in. No. It's all because of God's unmerited favor. Someone say unmerited favor. I want you to get this. Not earned. Not earned. By grace you have been saved. It all happens through faith. Through believing. Through the path of faith. That's how it all happens. And this is not your own doing. You should underline that in your Bible. This is not your own. Not not of works, lest any man should boast. Okay? This is not your own doing. It is what? It is a gift of God. It is a gift of God. See, you need to, you kind of need to tattoo this on the back of your hand. Figuratively speaking. (laughs) Don't run down to the tattoo parlor unless that's your thing. Okay? But anyway, you need to get that on there. Wait, wait. I am saved. It's unmerited grace. It's a gift from God. It's not my own doing. Okay? And that will change how we live the Christian life. It will change how we live the Christian life. It will change our motivation. It will change our drive. It will change our passion when we understand that we didn't deserve any of this and God gave us all of this. We didn't deserve any of this and God gave us all of this, that is really quite, in, quite incredible, okay? Not a result of works so that no one may boast. And watch this, verse 10. This, that was the saved part. This is the shape part. For we are his workmanship. Now, you've got to remember what that word loosely translates. It's masterpiece. For we are his masterpiece. We're going to talk about that in just a moment, you know, even more. But for we are his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for purpose, for good works. For good works, for the purpose of his kingdom, for the good works that for his kingdom, which which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
So God reaches down. He declares us righteous. We're justified by His unmerited favor, by His grace, through faith. We are saved. Our sins forgiven. He gives us this incredible gift. And with this gift comes responsibility. And He has, yes, guess what? God really does have a wonderful plan for your life. And it includes the privilege of serving Him. Not the burden of serving Him. You may bear a cross, but it's not that one. It's a privilege to serve Him. Paul would even say it was a privilege to die for Him. To die for Him. So we are saved and, sh- and shaped by grace. By grace. Now, secondly, tagging right in with that is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10 and 11. And this is not as common as, as a verse. Okay? 1 Corinthians 15, 10. And this is grace. I am what I am. Grace, I am what I am. Now, the context of the Scripture in 1 Corinthians um, 15, 10, and 11, okay, the context of the Scripture is that Paul is arguing for his apostleship. Okay? Um, He was not the normal apostle. As you know, the other guys walked with Jesus and talked with Jesus, all that stuff, you know, ate with him, all that stuff. And, of course, Paul meets, you know, Jesus on the Damascus Road, you know, in a vision that was really real. You know, more than a vision, more than a dream, it was really real. He meets Jesus, okay, and it's radically, but then he had problems. He was known as as a Jesus uh, hater and Christian hater and a murderer and all these things. And so people really had a hard time accepting his apostleship. So he's kind of arguing that. But in the process of arguing that, he gives us an opportunity to learn something tonight about us. Okay? Here's what he says. Um, For, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. I would underline that. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Now, let me throw in two things there real quick. First is this. Okay? Before you boast. You might be here tonight and you go... You know, things are going pretty well. Um, teaching a class, class is growing. Pastor in church, church is growing. Uh, good marriage, good job, respected in the community. You know, things are going well. Well, before you boast, say, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Because without the grace of God, you wouldn't be. You wouldn't be. So before you boast, before you boast, just remember this, it is all by the grace of God. I'll never forget, old story, old story, old story. You know, when Charles Stanley was young, and that's a long time ago, pastor of First Baptist Church in Atlanta, you know, he was driving to church one morning, sees a bag lady pushing a cart, and he says these words, now famous, there but by the grace of God go I. The pastor of First Baptist Church of Atlanta said that. There but by the grace of God go I. So things are going well in your life. You know, things are going good. The kids are behaving. Okay? It's all good. It's all good. It's all by the grace of God. But by the grace of God, there go I. Paul's saying, because of, of the grace of God, I am an apostle. But what we can claim to die is, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. So before you boast, do that. The second one is this. I bet you can see it coming. Before you whine, just remember this. You are what you are by the grace of God. Because don't we do that? Come on. Don't we look at people's lives? Gary, don't we look at people's lives sometimes and go, you know what? I, I wish I had what they had. I wish I could do what they do. I wish my kids looked like their kids. My kids are never going to get married. They're bad. 
You know, no one's going to want to marry them. You know, uh, I wish their teeth were straight and as white as the other kids are. All right, I wish that. Before you before you whine, just remember this: by the grace of God, I am what I am. It's true in your successes, and it's true in your normalcy. And day-by-day life, you know, some of you guys who are heavy Facebookers, you know, and you see the headlines of people's lives flashing on Facebook, and you go, wow, I wish my life was like them. them. They wish their life was like that. All they're showing you is the headlines. They're not showing you Monday morning when the kid throws up on their feet. Okay? So keep this in mind. It's by the grace of... This is the power of grace. By the grace of God, I am what I am. In success, I am what I am. In the normalcy and in the failure sometimes, I am what I am. He goes on and says this. And his, this is kind of iffy. And his grace toward me was not in vain. In other words, Paul says, now he's not, he's boasting, but not in a real bad way. Okay? But he's saying, you know what? When God extended that grace to me, it was not wasted. And I want to say tonight so badly, but I don't want to come across as if you've got to earn something. You know, don't waste God's grace. Don't waste God's grace. You know, there's a story, and again, I, don't, I wouldn't preach this on Sunday morning because somebody could take it wrong. Don't think I'm trying to tell you you've got to earn God's favor because I don't want you to pollute your mind with that. You, don't, you can't earn God's favor. Okay? But you, how many of y'all saw Saving Private Ryan? It's, it's a really heavy, it's a war movie. They say it's the closest thing to actual D-Day footage that, that they ever went through. Um, so I don't recommend necessarily the movie as far as the children go. I think it'll help you appreciate America if you watched it. But anyway, when, when they finally get to where Pri- Private Ryan is there, and they've, they've, ta- they've saved the bridge, okay, and Tom Hanks is laying there dying. The character, Tom Hanks, the lieutenant, whatever, is dying. Do you remember that part of the movie? And he leans, he... he Private Ryan is leaning over him, okay? And Tom Hanks says something and whispers it. And, and Private Ryan leans down and says, what? And he goes, earn this. And what he's saying is the sacrifice. The sacrifice. Now, please do not hear me saying you've got to earn salvation because you can't do that. But we ought to live in such a way that people know we appreciate and love the grace that God has extended to us. All right? We, we should do that. And that's what Paul is saying here. His grace toward me was not in vain. He didn't extend grace and I wasted it. He extended grace and I used it for his glory. That's the purpose. That's the purpose. Now, and this is the part where you kind of go, Paul, are you sure you want to write that? On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Now, if I stopped there, you would say, well, that's a pretty prideful thing to say, Paul. But, but we don't stop there. He goes on and says, on the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, the other guys, okay? Though it was not I. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that was in me. That's the qualifying statement, Okay? All right? You know, you know when, when we preachers preach and when song leaders song lead and when teachers teach and when deacons deek and nursery workers nursery, nursery keep, okay? When we do this, you know, we can't boast and say, you know what? It's I did it. Well, you can boast and say I did it, but it's not true. It's God. It's God. I mean, I want to fully understand something. 
at least this point in my life, and unless I get stupid, I understand that when you say, Brother Dwayne, that was a good sermon this morning, you and I both understand, let's just come to a conclusion tonight, it wasn't me, it was him. I want you to understand, I got that. It was not me, it was God. And David, it wasn't you singing this morning, it was God. And if you're a deacon and you deep good, it's not you, it's God. Okay, so that's what Paul is saying. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that was in me. We are what we are by the grace of God. Now, now look at verse number 11, because here's what all matters. In verse 11, he says this. So whether then, whether then it was I or they, whether it was me or the other guys, I or they, so we preach and so you believed. It doesn't matter who, it matters that the job gets done. Okay? It doesn't matter if your name is recognized or not recognized. That does not matter. What matters is, is that the kingdom is advanced. It does not matter that, Glor- that Dorisville is or is not on the front page of the Illinois Baptists. Because trust me, there are a lot of things we do that deserve that kind of recognition. That does not matter. What matters is that God gets the glory. That God gets the glory. So in your personal life and in your life here at church, in our church life, just remember, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And corporatively, we would say, by the grace of God, we are what we are. You know, we're going to do this back to school project, Lord willing, and it's going to cost about $25,000. And that much money is going to come in above budget offerings. So, Dana, aren't you glad? Okay, money comes in above budget offerings. And that's nothing we can go, woohoo, look what we did. It's what God simply allows us to do. God does through us. All right? So grace, I am what I am. Then we go one step further to another scripture that I don't, it's not very common. 1 Peter 4.10. 1 Peter 4.10. And this is grace worthy of stewardship. And it ties right in with what we just said. Grace worthy of stewardship. Here's what Peter says. 1 Peter 4.10. As each... Individual, as each individual has received a gift. Now, I hope you know that each one of us, well, there's two things we have. Each one of us have talents, but each one of us also have spiritual gifts. Okay? God gives each person one or more spiritual gifts. And He gives some people um, with talent. Jenny, He's given you the gift of piano. Okay? Did I ever tell you the story about me taking piano lessons? Yeah, for my birthday, I don't know like, what number it was, like, Probably like 30, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, and so we were in Warrensburg, Missouri. I'd just come back, you know, and I told you all, often, I said, I just love to play the piano. I mean, I can, I know three chords for the organ, C, G, and F. I know three chords. And so I said, I'd love to play piano. Well, she arranged, Miss Muchmore was the church organist who retired, okay? And she talked to Mrs. Muchmore about the possibility of giving me piano lessons, Okay, and so I thought that was very cool, and so we opened the card up, Miss Miss Watchmore's going to meet, so she comes to my house, you know, bought a piano, you know, one of them big upright jobs, and so we sit there, and we have our first lesson, and I struggled, you know, and she was kind, and so she said, practice, and I did, and so this went on, that's kind of how it went, she came to my house, I struggled, and, and she was kind, and I practiced, and so after about three weeks, she finally said this, and you'll appreciate this. She said, Duane, there are some people in the world who are not destined to play the piano. You are one of those people. <laughs> so I, I was done. So that's not a talent that God gave me. But God gives, often gives people talents. 
but it definitely gives every person a spiritual gift. So Peter says, as each one receives that gift, as you've been given that gift, and this ties right back in with Ephesians 2, 10, for we are his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works. For good works. So God gives us spiritual gifts for those good works. Okay? So each one's received a gift. Use it. Use it. Use it. Use it to serve one another. How about that? You know, you, you are not... You remember Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve? Yeah, well, guess what? God didn't put you here to be served. <laughs> he put you here to serve. I dare you to say amen. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. Now, now we're going to be served along the way, but the bottom line is, we are not a consumer organization, Okay? We're a giving organization. We come to give ourselves away. We're not here to consume. We're here to give away. All right? So, as each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as, here it is, good stewards. Good stewards. A good manager of God's manifold. My translation says varied, but I love the King James. God's manifold grace. So we are stewards. God, in His grace, gives us these gifts, and we're to be good stewards of those gifts. Okay? Which, in the same time, we're being good stewards of God's amazing grace. Amen? It's huge. It's huge. All right. The next one is grace, sufficient, and more. Grace, sufficient, and more. And this, again, is a common, uh, a pretty common scripture, but I really love it because of what it says. It teaches us two things, one about prayer, one about grace, okay? Now, the setup is this, okay? Paul's writing, again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, or excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He's writing, and he's saying that God has given him this revelation. Now, again, a lot of people believe that Paul was actually taken to heaven. This is not like a vision. It's actually God lifting him up to what he calls the third heaven, Okay, which again would be actually in the presence of God. Okay, so Paul presents this as not a dream he had, but an actuality that it happened. Okay, and then he tells a story about that. Okay, so he says in verse number seven, so to keep me from becoming conceited, and I appreciate his honesty there, to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, I mean, being called up to the third heaven. Now watch this. You're going to like this. A thorn was given me in the flesh. Now, y'all know, if you know me, anything about me, I like to receive gifts. You want to make my day? Put something in a bag. Put my name on it. Don't have to cost much. I like gifts. I like, it just says, I love you. It says, I love you. It brings my, you know, my love tank gets full and I love it, okay? However, I don't want a thorn. So don't bring me a thorn. I mean, you know, you're trying to say, is that, you see what it says here? It was given to me like a gift. How many of y'all would call a thorn a gift? If, if God gave you a thorn in your side, a thorn in your flesh, would you say, thank you, God, for that gift? That's what it was. Sometimes God knows exactly what we need, and sometimes, Tim, it's a thorn. <laughs> You know, it makes us a little uncomfortable or protects us. So, so he says, a thorn was given me in the flesh, and, you know, it is what it is. A, you know, I heard a preacher one time go, there's great speculation. You know, some people believe that it was, the, it was you know, like his sight, all kinds of, kind of different things were thrown out. But one preacher said, it is what it is. It was a messenger for Satan to harass him. 
And it was a gift from who? God. Thank you, Mary. Don't be afraid to say it. Okay? Keep in mind, Satan is a puppet in the hands of God. All right? And so God allows Satan, this thorn, this messenger from Satan, to harass him to keep me from becoming conceited, to keep pride in check. Now, now the reason that's a nice tie-in, because I want you to tie in. You don't need to go there. I'll read this to you. In James 4, 6, okay, it says this. But he gives more grace. This is James, now the half-brother of Jesus. He gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud. God resists the proud. So, God didn't want to oppose Paul. He didn't want to resist Paul, okay? So, he sends a thorn in his flesh to keep his pride in check. And we've got to learn to be thankful for the things that God sends our way that might be difficult, but keep us from sin. (laughs) How about that one? Wow. You know, God opposes the proud. But, he gives grace to the humble. So, so it's kind of like God said to Paul, Paul, you can have a thorn in your flesh and I won't resist you or you can have the thorn and it will humble you. This is fixing to be good and I'll send you more grace. Your choice, Paul. You want the thorn and be humble or you want to move the thorn and be proud? Which one you want? Of course, he didn't get the choice. That's what we're going to see. So, he gives him this thorn in the flesh to harass him. Here it is. Here's the first lesson. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this that it should leave me. Okay? But he said to me, my grace is sufficient. God doesn't answer every prayer like you want. You better write down your Bible. Because someone in this room, in this small crowd, is probably mad at God about something. You prayed for something and it just didn't happen. Well, God is God and you're not. And God knows best and you don't always. So... He prayed three times. God, please. I mean, come on. If, you know, if God's going to answer a prayer to anybody, it ought to be Paul. I mean, if anyone's got their prayer life in order, it's Paul. And three times he said, God, I want this thorn gone. And we learned something about grace. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, let me not. God's grace is sufficient for you. God's grace is sufficient for you. God's grace is sufficient for you and me and me. My power is made perfect in weakness. God's power is made perfect in weakness. Sometimes God allows us to go through difficulties. I'm going to change that. Often God allows us to go through difficulties for the express purpose of us un- to understand His grace is sufficient for us and that His power is made perfect in our weakest moments. I hope we can grasp that. I hope we can get that. Because sometimes that weakest moment isn't very pretty. It looks like a demotion. It looks like a loss of a job. It looks like loss of health. It looks like the loss of a loved one sometimes. Difficult times. But he says, his perfect, his peace, his power, his love is made perfect in weakness.
And let's close with verse 7 in James. I read you the first verse 6. He gives more grace. Therefore, it says, uh, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And then here it is. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Tonight, my, my closing words would be, God, help us to learn to submit to you. Help us to be willing to trust you. Um, if it looks like a thorn, tr- help us to trust you because your grace is sufficient. And if it looks like success, help us not to be haughty and proud about it because we are what we are by the grace of God. Amen? Amen? Isn't, it, isn't grace a wonderful thing? It really is. And the more we can understand this, it's going to really help us in our, in our life journey here um, with Jesus. It's really going to help us um, to, I'm going to use the word enjoy, to learn to enjoy Jesus more this side um, of heaven. So, Dave, you'll come up. We're going to pray. And uh, this is a decision time. And if there's anything you need to pray about, anything we can help you with tonight. I tell you what to do, though. Dave, can, we're going to do something just a little bit weird. We're going to have Jenny come up, of course. And I would like for you to sing. And we're going to let them sit and listen. Okay? So what I want you to do, while David leads us through, a couple of verses will be fine, Dave. Okay, um, I want you to bow your heads right where you are. I want you to think about what we talked about tonight, about grace and salvation, um, grace in our, you know, how we're created as a masterpiece, grace in our gifts, in our working, however it is that God spoke to your heart tonight. But be sure and just thank Him. Even right now, if, you, if there's a thorn in your life, right now, by God's grace, by God's grace, say, God, I, I believe you're sovereign. I believe you're in control of this. And I don't know about this thorn. You know, if it's in your will, I'd sure like it removed. But regardless.